Hey everyone, welcome back to the Maximum Gain podcast. It's good to be back. Last week, I hope you caught last week's episode. Nowadays, I'm doing episodes every Saturday. Earlier, I used to do it every Friday, but then I took, as you remember, I took a two-month gap and uh, because of a like, ton of work I had to do. And then I returned last week, and now it's going to be every Saturday. One episode every Saturday uh, concerning a different topic. Now, last week's episode, I hope you caught, it was about my opinions on Foo Fighters' future and why I felt they had the most spectacular year in 2021. You might want to check that one out if you haven't. It's in video form on YouTube. My YouTube channel, Maximum Gain Podcast, is up and running and I'm uploading video podcasts now. Plus, it's also on Spotify. It's on Amazon Music, Deezer, wherever else you get, you know, podcast from it's there i i've made sure of it so you can find maximum gain podcast anywhere and if you're not following me on instagram i suggest doing that because you get a lot of updates and small clips as well on instagram that's uh you can follow me at aria underscore guy that's double a r y a underscore g u y as simple as that also i apologize in advance if you see me completely melt towards the end of the video for those of you watching the video podcast, because yeah, I'm in a hot room right now and keeping off ACs and fans for <laughs> for sound uh, cleanliness. So yeah, so just excuse that if you see it. Now, I um, th- this week's episode, now you must have already noticed by the title, but this week's episode concerns Linkin Park, a band that I grew up with I mean, like, really did grow up with, like, since, I think I was, since I was four or five years old, I've been listening to Linkin Park, you know, and um, L- Linkin Park was never also one of the most vulgar, they were never one of the more vulgar metal or hard rock bands from the early 2000s. There were a lot of those, like, from the 90s and 2000s, there were a lot of those new wave heavy metal bands that came out, and many of them were extremely, extremely vulgar or explicit and and just you know very graphic in their music videos as well but Linkin Park was never that kind like if you look at Limp Biscuit or Slipknot they're very very you know like <laughs> extremely vulgar throughout like throughout their entire discography Linkin Park not at all so they were very very easy to get into you know Linkin Park was very easy to get into for any ages they were heavy Linkin Park was the perfect balance of heavy and melodic and you know they, they, they the song structures followed the new metal song structure which became very popular which was basically that whole thing of you know having following a pop structure but having every song be heavy you know following more heavy metal and funk influences but with a pop song structure and that was something that linkin park nailed from the get go they nailed it from the get-go, all right? So I I was into Linkin Park since then, but I fell off Linkin Park after their third album. Now, this is where I'll just quickly tell you what this video, what, what this podcast is going to be about this week's episode. In 2017, they released an album called One More Light. Now, that 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 album was, in my opinion, really bad and... Not just because of, like, there was one big thing there, was that they went pop. 
their last album to date like up until now up until 2022 the last album which was released in 2017 one more light was a pop album and they went full on pop they they had kind of gotten light over the years you know in the late 2000s early 2010s they'd gotten lighter than heavy metal but they never went pop until one more light and one more light was uh, it was just so frustrating for so many fans and got a lot of backlash naturally and the th- the thing was that everyone was wondering why did they go to that extent of pop there was no band before them that was as heavy as them in the beginning but then went as light and mainstream as they did with one more light so for for ages honestly for years now i've been trying to figure out exactly why they went exactly why they went full on pop now obviously you might think oh they sold out it's easy to just explain it as a sell out right it's easy to say oh this band sold out they wanted a lot of money they wanted um, you know they wanted a bigger record deal they wanted again more money more fans what not so we want to expand our sound for the wide audi- for, for a wide audience mainstream and go pop it's easy to say that but there are a lot of intricacies to it and right now i even wrote this down just so i don't forget i think it's important to just put a few disclaimers down before i get into my video now the thing is that this episode of the podcast i am going to try to understand and analyze why linkin park went pop with one more light and overall i'm going to be i'm going to be retracing their steps like what exactly they did until you know that point to want to go that direction and honestly this is going to be like as much as i am going to yes i am going to criticize linkin park quite a bit uh, and i know a lot of people grew up with band a lot of people be very sensitive especially regarding you know i mean the legendary chester bennington's untimely passing people are going to be sensitive about that but i have some things to say about linkin park and this is how i feel many people can disagree with me that's okay but this is how i feel these are my opinions on <laughs> on linkin park's downfall basically and overall i'm going to be talking about their honestly their truly unbelievable unbelievable extraordinary rise to fame and their unfortunate downfall that's what this video is going to be about and right now i'm just going to say it i'm going to i'm going to read off a book because it's it's important here uh, now i don't mean to offend or hate on any person affiliated with linkin park that's for sure okay this is just music we're talking about that's all i don't know any of them personally or anything like that blah 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 and i just feel that's important to say because i know how how so many people can get so angry when you're angry at something they love so whatever i just have to say that and now these are my opinions and theories by the way and theories on linkin park's late career decisions now the main goal with this video is to try to as i said analyze and understand linkin park's decision to go pop in 2017 so i'm going to just mainly focus on that but i will give you a brief understanding of honestly how extraordinary linkin park's rise to fame was now there's a lot 
that's to be said about you know Chester Bennington like had a couple of side bands before Linkin Park. He had that band um, Grey Days before Linkin Park, which like 2020 onwards, Grey Days actually started to release material for the first time ever with Chester's voice recorded and everything. They all had it recorded and stuff, but they had to release it posthumously uh, after Chester's death because um, they they weren't ready with it before it, so they released it after it. Now, so basically. That band, Grey Days, Chester actually formed before Linkin Park. And he was performing with that band also before Linkin Park. But then Linkin Park was formed. And they released an album in 2000. An album titled Hybrid Theory. This is one of the... Let me just let me just click on... I have it all set up here, by the way, so, so I don't lose time. Hybrid Theory was Linkin Park's debut album. Debut album. And I don't know how, okay, but they got a huge producer. That's Don Gilmore. Back then also Don Gilmore was quite huge. And they got a major label. They got Warner Bros. Um, Warner Brothers, Warner Records Inc. Warner Records Inc. This is a huge American record label, by the way. For their debut album, which was also, by the way, at the peak of, of the uh, new metal movement... Linkin Park released Hybrid Theory, which almost instantly, like within two years, became one of the highest selling albums of the past decade, when it came out, of the past decade. And let me tell you exactly how much it sold, because, it and it's insane. First of all, as you can see here, it's it's gotten numerous platinum certifications in Argentina, Australia, five times platinum, Belgium, two times platinum. Canada, five times platinum. UK, six times platinum. United States, 12 times platinum. And and Europe, four times platinum. And overall, this one album... uh, Where is it in here? This one album sold as of, I think, 2015 or something. Which is still amazing. That's just 15 years of release. But till about 2015, it sold... Yeah, that's nuts. It has sold 27 million copies worldwide, making it the biggest selling debut album since Guns N' Roses, Guns N' Roses Appetite for Destruction in 1987 and the best selling rock album of the 21st century. We're 22 years into the 21st century and they are still the best selling rock album. Can you believe it? I mean, and and it came out at the perfect time, the first year. <laughs> Of this subject, the first year, and it still isn't beat. You know, it's it's crazy. So this album was the one that you know everyone was introduced to. Everyone was introduced to Linkin Park through this album, and they had true classics on this on this record. It's it's unbelievable. They had these are the songs they had. Now, wow, they had a lot of... Okay, they had a lot of re... Uh, what do you say? Re-releases of this uh, album because of how popular it was. They re-releases with special something or something in it. But I remember first listening to the songs One Step Closer. My brother, I remember, showed me One Step Closer with you crawling. Then I started to explore them, explore them myself. Then I found out in the end, obviously. In the end is probably my favorite... Probably everyone's favorite Linkin Park song of all time. That's just a classic song. And again, one of the most 
insanely successful rock and metal songs out there by myself forgotten i mean all i could honestly i think every single every single song from this record there are 12 songs i think 10 to 11 of these songs are classics when it comes to like the linkin park fan base everyone will see this as like classic and especially when it comes to rock music itself of the 2000s at least you can name six songs off of hybrid theory that are classics they even had i think five or six single releases from this album it is huge basically this album was huge and it shot them to mainstream fame like that they peaked at number 2 on billboard 200 which is insanely high for a debut album but they did that and then after this 3 years later they followed it up with meteora meteora did as well like probably as well it in fact sorry it did better yeah it did better sorry <laughs> it debuted at number 1 on billboard 200 and sold 810000 copies in its first week that's unheard that back then it was just limp biscuit maybe corn and linkin park to do that to to sell over 500000 copies in its debut week of any album that's an insane achieve, achievement and this one also was was certified numerous times platinum by uh, the RIA which is the uh, you know recording industry association of america how they certify records and by the way going seven times platinum i hope you know this means you've sold 7 million copies in the us 7 million all right one time platinum many artists dream of going one time platinum linkin park seamlessly did it with their debut album 12 times platinum their sophomore album seven times platinum like you know again i i love to say this but this is how popular metal and rock was back then and linkin park was a solid metal band they were rap metal and new metal back in the early 2000s that's what they were now let me just go to their discography because so as i said meteora came out critical hit commercial hit you know huge and then you had now four years after that they took a that's actually quite a big gap for a band as big as them but they took a four year little over four year gap and they released Mid- minutes to midnight and now naturally the hype for minutes to midnight was through the roof through the roof and they reached number 1 in every single country they released music in every single country you go ahead and check this out on wikipedia it's also been verified by numerous other uh what do you say like like billboard or you know these these kind of record release uh tallying websites is all verified they released <laughs> they they released minutes to midnight at number 1 in over 10 countries that's insane that's unheard of even for a pop artist by the way so that's how popular they were minutes to midnight which is also again hugely successful uh probably a little less successful looking at the numbers here a little less successful than meteora but still like 20 million records worldwide that's amazing there are many bands that that dream of hitting 10 million records in their lifetime <laughs> you know what i mean that like that's how huge it is then after that now okay now let me just also mention one thing here minutes to midnight was an album that contained a song called what i've done which is i think their biggest radio hit to date even more than 
in the end probably what i've done and it was a huge huge hit because it was released alongside a huge blockbuster released in 2007 called transformers you may have heard of it i don't know but uh, with shia labeouf and uh, <laughs> shia labeouf and a bunch of other uh, famous people who were not used well in that movie in my opinion but so that song was released to a company that movie just naturally which is huge which was a huge hit and they right from then you could tell like minutes to midnight itself that record if you listen to majority of the songs you could tell they were going lighter minutes to midnight sure was was still hard rock but here they went yeah see here they went even in wikipedia written they went for a more alternative rock approach there's alternative metal also because of songs like given up but you listen to songs like what i've done or certain other songs like for example shadow of the day that's all hard rock no more sorrow is even kind of hard rock not really metal but you have other songs like bleed it out given up that are definitely very metal so you could see them go a little lighter here just a little more commercial which is fine okay but basically they were really like they were in the mainstream right from 2002 basically but here they were like pop stars they were pop stars on every single tv screen also ads for the transformers and all like what i've done featuring linkin park's hit song what i've done that would show in the promos of the transformers uh the first transformers movie i remember it because that was i remember as a kid seeing that and then they followed up minutes to midnight 3 years later with a thousand suns now this is very interesting so a thousand suns was also hugely successful however not as successful as minutes to midnight at all hugely successful but not as successful and i'll just read you the numbers minutes to midnight four times platinum in the united states yeah that sounds about right but a thousand suns was just one time platinum in the united states one time platinum in almost most countries and they had more gold certifications than platinum now gold is basically half of platinum right so basically if you get a gold record in the us you that means you've sold 500000 copies a platinum is 1 million copies so they had a lot of gold ones like in other countries other countries the numbers are a little lesser like for example the uk to achieve a platinum status you have to sell only 300000 copies depends on the population you know but basically they sold a lot lesser with a thousand suns and a thousand suns this was also an album that was extremely um this was an album that not extremely but it was quite a bit lighter than the other albums here all the genres that are listed uh a thousand suns to be in like on wikipedia all the genres associated with thousand suns are electronic rock like well let me just adjust my mic here i'm bending my neck like crazy now yeah basically electronic rock art rock alt rock do you see there it's all rock here and even if you listen to the song i've listened to this full album it's not a, it's not a terrible album it's it's a decent album but it's definitely lighter way lighter than any of their previous albums before this very light they had no metal songs at all it was all alt rock soft rock you'd never heard that that truly unique chester bennington scream in this album and they had they had one huge hit with the thousand suns which was new divide that was also one of their biggest hits to date new divide now this song 
Okay, wait, let me just go to, let me just go to, yeah, now new divide was used. Wait, where is new divide? Hold on, I'm just trying to find it. Uh, yeah, there we go. Yeah, new, oh, okay, new divide was released, it was a single released specifically for Transformers 2, Revenge of the Fallen, which was also a huge hit. Now here also, this song was very similar. You listen to New Divide and you listen to what I've done. They have, they are too similar. You just listen to it. Probably the producers told them, hey, listen, we want a song just like what I've done, release that. And they're like, okay, fine, we're going to do that. We want a shit ton of money. And they were like, okay, sure. <laughs> That's how New Divide was probably <laughs> come out. Again, my opinions, okay? I'm just making up assumptions here. There's nothing that is available to actually see as to why they took these turns. They'll only say... You know, the band members have only constantly said, oh, we felt this was the natural direction for the band because they don't want to be accused of selling out. They don't want to actually say like, well, we got more money for this. So, um, <laughs> so whatever. New Divide was released for Transformers 2. Then shortly after that, Transformers 3, which was in 2000, I think 11 or 12, there was another Linkin Park song that was attached to a Transformers movie, which is Transformers 3. And that song was Iridescent, I think is how you say it, Iridescent. This is also alt-rock and electronic rock. They were going more and more into the electronic spectrum of music. And sure, I, I kind of accepted that. I kind of expected that, actually. Expected that because right from the beginning, it was a very... Uh, right from the beginning, Linkin Park was a very electronic sounding band they were with the you know the turntables and the squeaky and you know and <laughs> the squeaky squeaky things whatever you know the turntables everything they were using all of that and a lot of electronic sounding guitars and and sounds and all right from the very beginning right from hybrid theory so i was expecting them to maybe ex explore electronic music a little bit more but i honestly thought they'd go like kind of electronic core or electronic metal you know, over the years, but I, I, I didn't expect them to go this light. Iridescent, which is a very light song. It doesn't even sound like a Linkin Park song. You take out Chester Bennington's iconic, wholly unique voice. It does not sound like Linkin Park. So, so yeah, so, okay, let me just look at my notes again there's a lot to talk about you know there's a lot to talk about as i said they had an amazing start to their career with you know immediately being signed on to a major record label and having one of the most one of the most successful rock albums of all time as their debut and then followed up with two more extremely successful albums and and so yeah now we're at a thousand suns released in 2010 now skip ahead two years now go two years later, they released Living Things, which is also decidedly, really decidedly, uh, yeah, electronic rock and alternative rock album. It still had Mike Shinoda's signature rap vocals on it, which is good because later on they took that off also, but we'll get to that. So this one was huge. Living Things was huge. They had the song Burn It Down, which was a humongous hit and it is a good song. But again, it's it's just, it's frustratingly not the Linkin Park that we were used to, which was the Hybrid Theory, Meteora sounding Linkin Park, even Minutes to Midnight sounding Linkin Park. And yeah, now, now let me move to something a little 
sensitive and a little different here. Now, A Thousand Sons, as I said, definitely a significant step lower when it came to their commercial success. They still reached number one in the US and all that stuff, but they didn't reach number one in the UK and other countries. Then there is Living Things, which was an even lighter album than A Thousand Sons, and they reached number one on Billboard and UK and other countries. They, they in fact, got higher charting numbers than A Thousand Sons. But I think fans were probably, like, really wanting that heavier sound back. So they probably listened to the fans. And then they released The Hunting Party in 2014. Now, this is what I was talking about right from the beginning. This is where I wanted to really talk about their... What do you say? Their the sellout uh, album, One More Light, or not sellout album, but I mean, yeah, it is a sellout album. But basically, talk about the reasons why they chose to go full-on pop. Now, they're still not pop. They're electronic rock, rap rock, alt rock, not pop. They are embracing that electronic pop sound, sure, for, you know, parts of the albums so far, but One More Light was a total, total pop album. They were like a pop band, as simple as that. Now, The Hunting Party, however, an album that came out three years before One More Light, The Hunting Party, they went back to that alt-metal sound, new metal sound, hard rock, rap rock, rap metal, and it was good. <laughs> In my opinion, it wasn't great, but it was quite good, okay? It was quite good. It And look at this. It featured guest appearances from... From okay, from a person from uh, a band member from Helmet, Darren Malakian from System of a Down, which is you know a very heavy metal band, Rage Against the Machines, Tom Morello, like this was clearly embracing their this album, The Hunting Party. They were clearly embracing their rock sound, their metal sound, like anything. And I did listen to it. Chester is screaming again, and and it is, in my opinion, it's more of a kind of punk metal kind of vibe, punk metal, but. But it is definitely metal. And I was very happy with it. And a lot of critics were also very happy with it. Especially after the underwhelming releases. Critical releases of uh, Thousand Sons. And Living Things even. So they released this album. Right? And yeah, sure. They 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 got success. Like when you compare Linkin Park. Even at their lowest low. Which by the way is Hunting Party. I'll get to that shortly. But even if you compare Linkin Park's lowest low in terms of uh, sales, it's still the highest when it comes to any other band at the time. It's still the highest. At the most, maybe Event Sevenfold or like some other lighter rock bands were probably selling as much as Linkin Park, but still, Linkin Park was still like in a league of its own. They were in a league of their own, Linkin Park. But let's look at what happened when they released The Hunting Party. Now, Living Things sold like 225,000 copies in its first week and and reached number one in the US. Now, we're just talking about the US here, okay? And the reason why we're just talking about the US is because that's their home country. So they sold a, they sold a lot there with Living Things and they reached number one. But The Hunting Party, when they, you know, when they went back to their old school sound, as they were putting it, and people were happy with it and and stuff like that. They sold only 110,000 copies in the UN in the United States. This was a huge drop. This is over 50% drop 
as compared to the opening week numbers of their previous albums uh, of their previous yeah albums and album living things it barely stayed on the billboard charts as well barely stayed 110000 copies okay that's nothing compared to, to other albums of linkin park and also this was their first album their first album not to hit number 1 in the united states since hybrid theory hybrid theory was their debut and it peaked at number 2 but it's still their all time greatest selling uh, album but meteora number 1 minus to midnight number 1 A uh, thousand suns, number one, and living things, number one. Suddenly, hunting party, number three, and the UK also number two. Whereas living things reached number one in both countries, as I said. So they they actually barely reached number one in any country with hunting party. They reached number one in Germany, in s- somewhere in South America, and that's about it. <laughs> like. so they really suffered with album sales here and this album is known as their weakest performing album to date it really is eventually they reached number ever uh, sorry eventually they re- got a platinum status this was also the slowest record to reach platinum status for linkin park but they eventually reached platinum status but not because of the album itself because of something tragic that happened later on i i'm sure you can guess but i'll bring bring that up later so Yeah so they re- they reached i mean they you know reached a point in their career where they probably realized hey you know what let's just listen to fans let's go back to our really heavy sound let's label this as a metal release by linkin park and let's release the hunting party which i admire that i was like okay fine good if they did choose to do that also a thing to mention here hunting party is the first album uh, by linkin park to be produced solely by linkin park members Brad Delson and Mike Shinoda who are both a part of the band Linkin Park as performers Brad Delson I think is a guitarist and Mike Shinoda of course is a uh, writer producer and um vocalist for Linkin Park this is the first album not to be produced by rock and metal legend of a producer Rick Rubin so you could kind of see maybe they were calling the shots like primarily here they were calling the shots okay maybe but with hunting party clearly it was disappointing and also i got to sh- i got to i got to show you this <laughs> it's just interesting you know if you look at the singles now they every album from hybrid theory onwards every album they'd have at least one song to reach the billboard uh us uh, the us top 100 singles chart huge chart by the way a huge huge chart and they'd always it like the debut album hybrid theory One step closer reached number seventy-five in the U.S. Hot One Hundred charged uh, chart. Crawling seventy-nine. In the end, number two, which is just humongous. I'll I can't stop talking about it, but yeah, it's huge. Okay, reaching number two for a, a song as heavy as in the end, that was huge. And that's just just their debut album. Then you go to Meteora again. You know, thirty-two, forty-eight, eleven. Three songs that reached the Hot One Hundred. Then you go to, okay, they did one kind of remix album with Jay Z and stuff called Collision Course. That also the one song reached number twenty. Then you go to their third official studio release, which is Minutes to Midnight, number seven, number fifty two, number fifteen. That was songs from Minutes to Midnight that reached the Hot One Hundred. Oh, and Given Up, which was at number ninety nine. 
Then New Divide, which was a separate release, that reached number six. Then A Thousand Sons had two songs, number 27, number 42, that reached the Hot 100. Then Living Things also, number 30, number 95 on the Hot 100. It's amazing. No other band has ever achieved this, by the way. No other hard rock and heavy metal band like Linkin Park has ever achieved this. But now suddenly, you go to the hunting party. Now, Linkin Park's album sales were slowly reducing. That's true. They were slowly reducing right from minutes to midnight onwards. But hunting party, it was like it got cut in half or more than half, like 60% lesser in sales of both singles and records in total with The Hunting Party as compared to their other albums. And they had zero songs reach the Hot 100 on The Hunting Party. Zero. That means their radio hits really took a hit with The Hunting Party. This is what interested me. This I realized there were only a couple of songs to hit the bubbling under Hot 100. That's like a kind of side list where, you know, if if some songs are really popular but they aren't able to include, include it to the Hot 100, there's a bubbling under Hot 100 which has like 20 more songs, you know? So, so like here they reached number, like for Hunting Party, they reached number 17 and number 15, which is really low for Linkin Park, in the lowest to date for Linkin Park. And that came out of Hunting Party. So... So right there, you could see like, okay, they're they're slowing down in sales. Like, okay, Hunting Party, they may have gone back to the original sound. A lot of they made a lot of people happy, but they really went down in sales worldwide. By the way, not just the US, but worldwide, they went really down in sales, and the popularity of singles were also really down. So, go now. Go by like fast forward three years. 2014 was Hunting Party. 2017, they announced the release of One More Light with their first single release, which was a song called Heavy. I don't know if you've heard this song. Let me just quickly play it. Now, let me uh, let me play two examples of what Linkin Park used to be and what Linkin Park became with One More Light. Now... I don't want to play too much because, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, yeah, I don't want to play too much. Now, let's just, let's just play one step closer. This is a song that I absolutely love. And this is how heavy they actually get. Okay. One sec. I hope many of you remember this song. It's a great song, but so you want to hear how heavy Linkin Park actually was initially? You just need to go to the bridge. Listen to this. This is how heavy Linkin Park used to be. This is off of their debut album. Sorry. Let me just put it a little back. Shut up. 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 Shut up.
That's how heavy they they are. They get this heavy. This guy is screaming and the guitars are heavy and you want another example of heavy lying from you which is off of Meteora their second album. Meteora is also a, a tremendous album. It's it's a great great album. Now again I go straight to the bridge. Listen to the screen. Like that's that's you know what they were like, and you hear the disc scratches and stuff. Like that was Linkin Park at their best. Honestly, <laughs> lying from you in the end, um, one step closer. Still, some of my favorite hard rock and metal songs to date. But so they went from that, and they gradually then shifted to a sound like this. What I've done which was from minutes to midnight as i said minutes to midnight also went kind of lighter now you listen to this definitely more commercial see a lot lighter now listen to the bridge it's nowhere near as heavy as any of the other songs on meteora or hybrid theory very melodic So see how light they became already with the third album, Minutes to Midnight. Now you want to hear, now fast forward, okay, to skip two or three albums. Now, Hunting Party, as I said, they they went heavier with Hunting Party. Let me just play one song off of Hunting, Hunting Party to make you understand how heavy they were able to go uh, back to with the Hunting Party. Uh, which song? I forgot which one though was, was a good example. Uh, okay, let's see. King to key to the kingdom. All of them might not be too heavy, but let's listen. Right from the beginning, screams are back. Yeah. So you see, Hunting Party, they came back to a heavier sound, much heavier than anything 
like their previous two albums before this had. So then, yeah. So as I said, I explained to you, Hunting Party was not at all as commercially successful as their previous albums. So then they released the song Heavy to introduce their latest album, which is so far their latest album. Uh, one more light. Let's let's have a listen to Heavy, shall we? Yeah, man, Heavy. Can you imagine? They're literally playing with us also. I, I remember when this album was released and I remember feeling cheated with by the fact that they called the album, I mean, they called this song Heavy, their lead single, they called it Heavy. And this is what it sounded like. I don't like my mind right now. Stacking up problems that are so unnecessary. Wish that I could slow things It's not down. a terrible song, okay? But it's so disappointing. This is not Linkin Park anymore. This is a Chester Bennington side project or a Mike Shinoda side project. And it has an extremely melodramatic music video. Featuring Kiara, like you listen to the production. So it's it's really bad and as you can imagine hearing a song like this it does not have a breakdown. <laughs> the song is about dealing with pain and I get pain and anger and addiction and probably mental breakdowns but it does not have a musical breakdown. I now see I respect them for changing their sound. I respect any artist for experimenting and trying new things but with this album it just seemed too much of a, it just seemed like too much of a sellout, a sellout album. And it was too much of a coincidence that, oh, they go this light right after they face one of the biggest dips in commercial success. It was a little too much. This song, Heavy, is not terrible. I, it's, it's okay. But I have to say, the video, I remember it now, the video is so overdone, so melodramatic, it's like, ugh, you know, it's, it really isn't. However, they clearly stuck a chord with a lot of people because, surprise, surprise, Heavy, after they went full-on pop and electro-pop and R&B with this album, Heavy reached number 45 on the Hot 100. Number 45 on the Hot 100. Let's go back to the discography now properly. They had, yeah, they had Heavy reached number 45. They didn't have any other, I was surprised, they didn't have any other song of the album reach uh, the Hot 100. They had Talking to Myself reached number 9 on Bubbling Hot 100 and number 4 on Bubbling Under Hot 100. But still, they had a Hot 100 single, which was something that they didn't have with Hunting Party. And this is where I feel like they wanted to have another really successful album or they were probably getting scared that, oh no, going back to our heavy sound, we probably, that was probably a misstep because we we really severed our, <laughs> our 
commercial success in half so let's go to a lighter sound let's do something more relatable something more way more radio friendly than we've ever done let's bring in pop artists like kiara to provide vocals and blah 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 and they did one more light and again another thing with the hunting party that like a lot of things went wrong commercially with with the hunting party even though it is a good album it a lot of things went wrong commercially hunting party i told you the slow album sales they eventually reached platinum but not like not any, not very soon they did not reach number 1 in numerous countries as they did with their previous ones also when it comes to the singles of hunting party none of them were certified in any country none of them were certified because of uh, well a lack of radio play and maybe they saw this as oh okay maybe the fans don't want this kind of heaviness let's give them what they want straight out pop or they were just like you know what we want to move in this direction now i don't know mike shinoda has multiple times said that it was a natural progression for them to move into pop territory i do not feel that <laughs> it's no it just doesn't seem right i would have been fine i would have honestly expected them to go in a more metalcore route metalcore mixed kind of that light alt metal alt rock sound with some really heavy metal subgenres you know that's metalcore what metalcore is also extremely like metalcore is when sevenfold and killswitch engage those are extremely melodic but very heavy bands if linkin park had gone that direction i would have been totally fine totally fine but the fact that they went pop with one more light right after hunting party just seemed too much like a cash grab it seemed too much like okay we're going to go just straight up you know we're going to try and have the most radio friendly singles of them all and which is what they had heavy that's one of their biggest singles to date they had that it and look it went gold in the us then they released another song called one more light which went gold in the us as well silver in the uk silver in the uk none of that was achieved with the hunting party and this is where you know when 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 one more light released now obviously maybe they expected backlash but they probably didn't expect this much backlash one more light got mixed to negative reviews by critics and it got torn apart by their fan base just torn apart by their fan base it got so torn apart that linkin that sorry that chester bennington himself went on a kind of rant a very by the way explicit rant condemning fans when it came to the uh them receiving one more light i'll i'll tell you exactly what he said now this was sad to hear especially put into context his his uh his suicide uh it was really really sad and this was chester bennington's response he and it's literally he lashed out in response that's what written in in wikipedia lashed out in response to the negative reception of one more lights material this is what he said chester bennington at the accusations that the band had sold out suggested that those people should stab themselves in the face now he themselves now they changed that it's actually stab yourselves in the face and he said move the fuck on from the band's past sound that is really sad that is 
really sad. Now, Bennington also said in a separate interview with Kerrang, Bennington, in response to claims of selling out the album, said, if you're going to be the person who says, like, they made a marketing decision to make this kind of record to make money, you can fucking meet me outside and I will punch you in your fucking mouth. That is... That's... Now, now I think he went overboard there. I think he really went overboard because Linkin Park has a really dedicated fan base. And for him to say that to basically his fan base, his fan base were the ones who were trashing it. To say that is is really sad and it's insulting and it's uh, just, dude, like don't don't get violent with your response like that. If you're happy with the album, then you shouldn't care to like what other people say about it. Your album reached number one. You shouldn't care what other people say about it. It's really, really too much. I felt like that time, that response that Chester Bennington gave was too much. Shinoda gave a, a little more of a <laughs> kind of <laughs> lowered, more calmer response. Mike Shinoda also rejected claims that the ma- that they had made the album for monetary reasons, responding that it's not how I operate. Now, then later Bennington, you know, explained that the accusation of selling out angered him because he saw it as a personal attack, concluding that when you make it personal, like a personal attack against who we are as people, like, dude, shut up. That means that I can actually have feelings about it. And most of the time, my feelings are I want to kill you. Now, see there. Now, fans were saying that Linkin Park sold out. They weren't saying Chester Bennington sold out. So I don't think it is a personal attack. And also, whether it's a personal attack or not, you cannot say something like, you can fucking meet me outside and I will punch you in your fucking mouth. You can stab yourselves in the face. That's, in my opinion, a little too much. And see, none of the other bands had that kind of reaction to these negative reviews. It was only Chester. Which is really sad, um, considering the fact that Two to three months after One More Light's release, Chester Bennington committed suicide. And it was really sad. He was going through clearly a lot of things. He was going through a lot of things. And I cannot speak on what he was going through. That's a totally different thing. And I will say, I was really sad. I remember one of my friends back in 2017, sorry, to 17, he sent me a message saying, Chester Bennington just died. And with a, you know, sad emoji. And I was like, no, what? This is, no, how can that be? Then I looked and I was like, oh my God. I, I was so horrified and I was, I was really sad. I was really sad, saddened by that. Because Chester does have truly one of the most iconic voices in all of rock and metal. No one sounds like him. And anyone who does sound like him today... <laughs> took inspiration from his vocals from his early albums. You know, he really had... And also, if you have not listened to the song Given Up, listen to it. It has one scream that to this day is impossible to achieve by even professional vocalists out there. Many vocalists have tried to do that. In particular, one vocalist that I love, which honestly, I think is he's one of the most impressive vocalists of today a guy named Justin Bonnets from the uh, from the band Tala and from his side projects. Justin Bonnets was the closest anyone could get to achieving that one-take scream by Chester Bennington 
in the song given up listen to that song you'll understand why chester is such a praised singer he absolutely deserves all the praise he's gotten but at the same time i cannot agree with that kind of response he gave for one more light so now as i was saying right i had mentioned earlier that hunting party took some time to reach platinum status in the us and it did not reach platinum status until july or august 2017 that was shortly after chester bennington passed away and their album all their albums reached the billboard top uh, 200 once more their songs also reached the hot 100 again and they got like a small burst of success when people realized oh my god one of the greatest singers of all time has passed away so a bunch of tributes poured out and a lot of people were listening to linkin park again on radio and buying their albums again that it shot up their album sales so hunting party went up and one more light even even though it had a pretty good opening week like oh, one more light i didn't mention this one more light sold let's see one more light sold it debuted at number 1 111000 copies in its first week Now that may not seem like much but compare it to the hunting party 100 uh, hunting party reached number 3 and sold 110000 copies that's still more than hunting party so and also uh, one more light was more enduring uh, it uh, it was more enduring on the billboard 200 chart as well as the uk charts and dozen other country charts actually so overall you know one more light did a lot better and one more lights album sales also went up high because of uh, chester's passing so so yeah so i cannot i refuse to believe that it that they just wanted to go into this direction i refuse to believe that they wanted to they they felt electro pop and pop was their future that they felt this is the natural evolution for the band no it was not it was them trying to make up for a lack of success with the hunting party that's where it was and they they succeeded but they also lost a lot of people with this album they lost a lot of people and then unfortunately the band had to kind of call it quits or right now it's written hiatus they're on a hiatus ever since um chester's passing so yeah it's it's crazy what this band was what they used to sound like and what they sound like now that's one of the most crazy changes i've ever seen and also another piece of honestly another piece of bullshit that i have to call out brad delson who was a producer for one more light and hunting party along with mike shinoda and he's also lead guitarist of uh, i think lead guitarist yeah guitarist of linkin park he actually said that there really is a ton of guitar on this album in response to one more light this was i think before the yeah this was published in april 3rd 2017 on music radar website the music radar website i got this by the way from a reference link on wikipedia so here he said one more light on one more light there is really a ton of guitar on this album he clearly said that just to sell the album because if you listen to one more light I think one song has guitar and that's about it. 
that's about it. See, a lot of people do this, okay? When directors and actors sell their movies, especially when actors sell their movies, they're like, oh, you've never seen anything like this, but you've seen something like it, and it's a shitty film. And with even with musicians, they're like, oh, this is a, you know, this is a fresh direction, but it's a much better direction or a heavier direction, and we've never done anything like this, but when it comes out, it's like, ah, it sounds very similar, or ah, it's actually really bad and not heavy at all, you know? So clearly, Brad Delson was saying that, okay, well, this is what he said. Any longtime fan of this band knows that we tend to make violent course changes from album to album. That was Brad Delson speaking about One More Light a month before the album's release. Now, their first three albums sound like Linkin Park. Their first three albums were like pretty damn close to each other. You exchange songs and you still kind of feel like it's it's kind of in the same playing field there of sound. But A Thousand Suns, their fourth album, A Thousand Suns onwards, it truly was a different sound. It didn't sound like Linkin Park anymore. It really didn't. So, <laughs> what can I say? What can I say here, really? Uh, they made course corrections only from their fourth, fourth album onwards for more commercial success. Now, as I said, the so the thing is that with this pop course correction, right, with One More Light, one thing that was sad about it was, was that it was so, it was so sudden and so abrupt, so jarring. Right after the hunting party, people are expecting, oh, okay, they're going to go heavier maybe after hunting party. Okay, let's hear it. And then suddenly they go pop. It was so jarring that it got people so like, what the hell? I just listened to hunting party and I listened to hybrid theory and all and now you're this like why how could that happen so it was so jarring for them to go for that as Brad Delson called call it this this what did he say exactly violent course changes so he made a they made a violent violent course change when they went to one more light and that was one of the main reasons why I think people kind of just couldn't accept like that pop sound if they had released like two albums before it that were noticeably more and more pop then maybe it would have eased audiences into one more light a little better but i've noticed this with other bands also like for example corn i have to mention that because they're my favorite band of all time and they are also by the way one of the most popular one of the most mainstream metal and hard rock bands out there really and corn was one of those bands that uh, in 1999 with their album issues they sold over half a million copies in its first week so in their first week of release of that album. So Korn is huge. They've achieved almost as much success as Linkin Park has. But with Korn also, they face a similar issue. They Now Korn is known right from the beginning. They're also known for making some re- really serious course corrections. or co- Not course corrections, but they're known to experiment with different, different genres on every album. Right from the very beginning. But... They had a transitional phase in the late 2000s where they released three albums in succession, like three albums consecutively uh, within the span of, I think, five years, which is insane. That's a really like prolific career, by the way. Three albums in five years. One was their untitled album, which was an industrial metal and hard rock album with, strangely enough, with some kind of deathcore elements with Jonathan Davis's vocals the lead singer's vocals. 
And after this untitled album in 2007, three years later, they released an album called Corn 3 Remember Who You Are, which was an album that they were trying to harken back to their old sound with. This one was classic, like kind of old school, very grungy sounding corn. Very heavy metal and not hard rock at all, just proper metal. However, I hate this album because it was very boring. But one year, exactly one year after this album, Conte Remember Who You Are, they released a dubstep metal album. Now that would be jarring for anyone, whether it is a good album or a bad one. And by the way, over time, Path of Totality, which was their third album in that succession, in that period, that, that album, The Path of Totality, was a good album. But so many people lashed out against it because it was so jarring after their previous two records. You had an industrial metal album and a hard rock album. Then you had a proper corn sounding new metal album with Contra, you remember who you are. Then you had dubstep. Dubstep metal. They were the first and still the only metal band to do that. Or at least the only mainstream metal band to do that. They were definitely the first. So... So I noticed it with Korn also. They they took such a drastic thing. Now, now one thing is this, that this dubstep album, it was very heavy, okay? It's not at all like pop. It's, it's heavy. It's a heavy metal album, but with some serious dubstep elements in it. Primarily dubstep. So one thing that bands should realize is that when you're trying to make a course change, like try to ease into it. Like fans also, they want to kind of still hear your core sound. Right, A band becomes famous because fans have really trusted them in delivering a core sound that they've made popular. Linkin Park, they had that amazing rap vocals mixed in with the clean and gut-wrenching screams with, you know, Mike and Chester. And then you had these amazing, squeaky, squeaky, you know, kind of turntable sounds, electronic sounds and all. And these heavy guitars and the simple drums and all that stuff. And the kind of very atmospheric synth sounds to it. It was really good. None of that existed in their, in in One More Light or even their album Living Things and A Thousand Suns. Nothing really like that existed. They wiped that off and they did it in such a jarring way, especially with One More Light. Such a jarring way. So maybe that was why such a... It's not a terrible album. One More Light's not a terrible album. But again, it's not a Linkin Park album in, in my eyes or in my ears. <laughs> it's not a Linkin Park album. It's a Chester and Mike side project. Not Linkin Park at all because it completely took out every single element that made Linkin Park famous. If if a, a band were to have released... If a, another band, okay, that was a fresh band were to release... One More Light as their debut album, that album would reach nowhere because it's actually not a very impressive album at all. But the fact that Linkin Park releases One More Light, it had to reach number one. You know what I mean? It had to reach number one. It was a huge IP and it's like, it had to reach number one. So, so yeah. So basically, I feel that One More Light is absolutely a sellout album, but more so also, yeah, a course change, but to make up for the losses that the hunting party kind of had. That's what I truly believe. That's what it sounded like. And what honestly pissed me off even more was the fact that Linkin Park themselves started making fun of their old sound, which is what pissed off a lot of fans as well. They started making fun of their old sound, 
uh, their new metal sound, which they made so popular, you know, after bands like Korn, Slipknot, and uh, Limp Bizkit took to different heights, Link Linkin Park took it to a whole new height, you know, with Hybrid Theory, and then Meteora, and then Minutes to Midnight, and then in 2017, early 2017, they made fun of that sound with their uh, with one video that was posted actually on the Instagram account. I'm going to play it on YouTube right now. But it's them playing their song Heavy, which I showed you, in a new metal uh, style. A lot of people actually like this style. And I also did. It's good, but this is what Chester said right in the beginning of the video. Let me play it. Are you going to do that? You want to do the other one? Uh, can we figure out what we're trying to do? I know that. I know that. The new metal version? Yeah, the new metal version. <laughs> <laughs> this can't fucking suck. New metal version? And he starts laughing, and he said it's gonna fucking suck. I can understand if that would have kind of hurt some old school fans of Linkin Park and of those bands at the time, you know? Because, first of all, saying like it's gonna fucking suck, kind of, isn't Chester kind of implying that he doesn't like their old material also? Like, doesn't that kind of imply that? That the fact that, oh, a new metal version of Heavy is gonna suck. He said it's gonna fucking suck. So are you saying that your first three albums fucking sucked then? It I it got on my nerves because these were the kind of words that Chester would put out when promoting the album and especially post reactions of the album. He'd put out some really nasty responses. He did put out an apology, by the way. He did put out an apology uh, after <laughs> his reaction got backlash. But it was the most lazy reactions. Sorry, didn't mean to hurt anyone. Peace, love. Like, that's it, you know? So, you know, so so by basically that's how he starts off this new metal thing, by saying. <laughs> it's gonna fucking suck. It's gonna fucking suck. Then you listen to it, and it's actually a lot better. Even though this is a very rough recording of them rehearsing the song uh, in their studio, it still sounds more engaging and better than the original song heavy that really fake sounding pop production this sounds like old school Linkin Park. And what's weird is that Chester is himself kind of enjoying it. You know, you can see him he's enjoying it. They're all kind of like enjoying it. And this sounds like old school Linkin Park. So this actually was done as a joke. This whole bit was done as a joke and put onto their social media to kind of troll those n n oldie new metal fans. 
which honestly I, I i get it fine yeah okay it's a joke and fine i also wouldn't have taken it like a, a what a personal hit or anything like that but it's kind of sad to see like one of the greatest new metal bands start tearing their old material and the new metal genre apart by the end of their career it's it's sad honestly and honestly they never released anything as good as hybrid theory and meteora since then they never did so yeah so it's just really unfortunate to see that was their reaction to the new metal sound and all right before they had to call a hiatus because of chester again you know again they they had their own reasons to do what they do and these are my opinions and my feelings on what they did finally do so it may be true it may not be these are my theories it could be because of a hunting party's lack of success i'm not sure but uh i don't know where linkin park is going to end up now because ever since chester passed away there's just been no word they re-released hybrid theory with some unreleased recordings in 2020 i don't know if you've heard that there's a song there's an amazing linkin park song called she couldn't it's one of the lighter ones but it definitely sounds old school linkin park it sounds like something that would have come out of meteora or hybrid theory it's a good song and it's definitely not at all as i don't know as emotionless and lazy sounding as anything off of one more light it's good you know so yeah you got to listen to that this is where i appreciate a band like corn or even deftones you know bands that are much older than linkin park but they've maintained their stamp of quality over the years and they have stayed in the mainstream for so long corn is still in the mainstream deftones is still in the mainstream still having some real chart topping rock hits and stuff and this is what corn sounds like today i just have to play this this is what corn sounds like cuz this is one of my favorite songs of theirs in the past few years it's a song called worst is on its way let's this is a bridge side the company it's overrides this is, anyone who hears this you'll know like this is old school corn i can only play that much right now <laughs> but if you haven't listened to corn verse on its way this is one of the more like fun sounding corn songs in the past few years um it's really good corn is mainstream they've they've maintained the heavy sound you know they've gone they've they've dabbled with mainstream genres and all that's in fact what created new metal when they released their first album that's what created new metal they dabbled with mainstream genres like funk and hip hop but they mixed it with metal and it's just so sad to see that that linkin park went full on pop and didn't try to kind of dabble more with their original sound but with more mainstream synthwave kind of sounds they just went full on pop it's unfortunate in my eyes at least so yeah this was a long episode i think it's yeah 1 hour 12 minutes we're going to stop right now uh i hope you all enjoyed this episode again you know these guys seem like 
nice guys and they made some of my favorite hard rock and heavy metal songs of all time so i have nothing against their old material it's just the new stuff that just frustrated me as well as a lot of other people i'm sure you know when it came to their genre choices so yeah so thank you all so much for listening i hope you all again i hope you all really enjoyed this i'm realizing i'm repeating it again and again hope you all enjoyed this and follow me on instagram as i said arya_guy you'll get a lot of updates a lot of clips follow me on youtube maximum gain podcast is the name of the channel you'll get a full video podcast along with this background that i <laughs> that i did in a hurry i don't have much to work with right now all right i don't have a huge studio or anything i don't have much to work with this is what i got and i thought it looks pretty fucking cool so by the way for those listening to me i have lights behind me that's basically it <laughs> i have lights behind me all right so as always i hope you stay happy and i hope you stay safe to all of you out there thanks for listening see you